Hello everyone, lovely to see you all. Thank you so much for joining us for this. We're about to get festive. It feels early, doesn't it? But it's absolutely worthwhile because we're celebrating the glorious Christmas special of Channel 5's All Creatures Great and Small. Now, as you know, uh, this follows a six part series, which was the latest screen adaptation of Alf White's, Alf White's autobiographical stories about life as a country vet. And this has proved, as I'm sure you'll agree, the perfect show for this bizarre year that we found ourselves in. So beautiful and glorious and gorgeous. Huge ratings and a loyal fan base already. It's actually Channel 5's highest rated launch for a drama commission in the channel's history. So that just tells you what you need to know. Now, before we start, a few bits to mention. Captioning is available. You'll see all the details below if that's of use to you. To the journalists who are watching today, all quotes are embargoed until midnight on the 8th of December. Any questions or queries go to Lisa or Holly and they can help you. And you're of course welcome to record audio from this session, but please don't record any video or screen grabs. That would really help us out. And I'll be taking your questions at the end of this session, but you can start writing them whenever you want. Just use the, the Q&A function down below. Whatever something pops into your mind, write it down and then I'll ask them all at the end. So I think that's it of me rambling on. I think we can get on with talking to the interesting people. Let's do this. I'm thrilled to say we have a really wonderful panel with us today. Uh, let me introduce them to you. We have our executive producers, Colin Callender and Melissa Gallant. Give us a wave. Hello, they're here, brilliant. Um, our writer and executive producer, Ben Vanstone is here. Hello, here he is. Uh, and our magnificent cast, we have Nicholas Ralph who plays James, wave. Yes, lovely. Um, yeah. Samuel West, who plays Siegfried, of course. Hello. Uh, and Anna Maidley, who plays Mrs. Hall. Hello. Uh, Callum Woodhouse, who plays Tristan. Hello. Uh, and Rachel Shenton, who plays Helen. There we go. Thank you all so much for being here. So much to ask you, so let me get started. Colin, I'll start with you, if that's okay. Um, obviously, we're going to get right into the Christmas special and all the wonderful, magical things that happened there. But before we do, can we just talk about what hit this has been and how well it's gone down? You know, it's so perfect as an antidote to the stresses of 2020, which you couldn't have known uh, when you first decided to do this. But why do you think it struck such a chord, Colin? Well, it was after Brexit, um, which so underscored the divide between sort of metropolitan Britain and rural Britain, um, that it, it sort of struck me how divided we were. And we, we were living, in such a sort of difficult and complicated times, I felt that the audience and I as an audience member wanted a show that I thought was entertaining and fun and sort of could bring us all together. I know that you have a great relationship as a production with Alf White's family, who's you know, the original James Herriot, of course. How have they responded? And in general, what has the reaction been like to the series from, from people close to you? Oh, the Harriets have been, as you say, so key to this, and this was an enormous deal for them, not just because they're their father's stories, but these characters are their parents and colleagues and friends. Um, and so it was it really mattered to us that we got it right, obviously for the audience, but also for them. And I'm sort of relieved and delighted to say they absolutely love it. Um, and, uh, you know, they have had so much wonderful anecdotal feedback as well. And Yorkshire love it. And even the vets love it, apparently. So I think we've done a good job. Um, it was it was, however, important to us that we didn't get to the end of the process and then hoped they really liked it. So we were in discussion with them every step of the way from the very beginning. And it was my job to gatekeep the quality of the series and it was their job to gatekeep their father's legacy. And so we worked really closely together all the way through. I talked to them at every step of of everything we did through the production. So and they are absolutely thrilled with the response and it and it really matters to them that they're Dad's work is up there on the screen again for a new generation has been so, so loved and cherished by the audience and just brought, you know, at, at such a time as this has sort of just lifted the nation a little and what a joy that is. So they've been fantastic and they're as thrilled as we are. And it has been an extraordinary success. How does it feel to be given a Christmas special? Because that's still a big deal, even in 2020. Oh, it really is, isn't it? I think it might be my first Christmas special, actually, which is very exciting. I think that's a real testament to... Channel 5's ambition for the series and their commitment to that commission and to commission a Christmas special episode on a first series um, is fantastic. So huge thank you to Channel 5 um, for that. And as you say, it's a really it's a really special time of year, I think, viewing at Christmas with family 
And this year has been about coming together as communities. And the show is a, is a show that generations watch together. And that's been one of the lovely things, I think, about the feedback of people saying, you know, that watching it with um, grandparents or reminded them of watching it when they were little with parents, etc. Um, so we were very, very excited and very honoured to have a show in that slot. Obviously, being a Christmas special, it needs to be really special and a treat. And so that was down to the excellent Mr. Ben Bunston um, to come up with a story that did everything um, that we needed it to, which he really has. Well, Ben, it really does everything. There's carols, there's mistletoe, there's a donkey. There's literally everything you could possibly want. Did you instantly know when you were handed this Christmas special what you wanted to do? Um, no, not fully. I think that, you know, I'm a big fan of um, Christmas TV. I'm sort of one of those people that gets a radio times and circles every show I'm looking out for. And I suppose from the outset, as Melissa said, I want this to be a real treat and have, you know, warmth, heart, you know, fe festive stories, um, sort of show that you're going to sit and watch your family drinking sherry, um, not, not the children. Um, <laughs> But I think as well, therein lies the danger with it a little bit too, because it, it's as well as sort of having all that warmth and, and that family sort of glow at Christmas, it can also be a sad time as well. So it's making sure you're striking that tonal balance across the story. So yes, it has that warmth and heart, but it isn't too saccharine. Um, with, with regard to the sort of stories themselves, I think there's three, three key moments in this episode towards the end that sort of encapsulate the final sort of end point of our, our character's arcs, which, which I can't talk about to give away too much of the story, but those sort of images as, as it were, I sort of had those probably four years ago now, five years ago. And it was, you know, it was always gonna to get to those points and the Christmas special was what sort of wrapped them all up together. So yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, I think as well on, on the tonal side of things, it's, it's not just in the writing that there's that balance, it's also in the performances and the direction, the design, all of it where we're sort of balancing the Christmas heart and humour, but without tipping over into it being cheesy um, and keeping it real and, and playing it with real truth as well is important to us. Is there a specific challenge for you, Ben, in writing something that is almost standalone within a series and making sure you, you get all of your, you get a couple of cases in of the animals, but also have that, that big sort of payoff for your characters as well? It's a big treat. It's like, it's a gift, really. It's, it's not, um, I think it's really nice to have a piece of event TV to finish off your series. Um, there's a climax to the end of series, you know, what we call series one, with episode six. So you build that climax, but then we have a whole other, almost standalone feel to this episode, which is still within the sort of world of our characters and the arcs of our stories, but it's something that feels much more of an event. Um, and it's great that Channel 5 had the confidence to go for that from the outset and had faith in the show. And let's put on a proper special, which is, which is longer for everyone to enjoy. Let's go to our cast. Nicholas, there's a lot going on for James this, this series, he's, or this episode even. He's, he's quite good on the surface of trying to sort of hide his heartache, but it's a difficult Christmas Eve for him, isn't it? You're muted, Nicholas. There we go. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's more roller coaster for, for James, a lot more ups and downs. Um, and again, as, as Ben was saying, it's just pat these episodes, kind of five, six to seven, so much more of the threads now um, of all these stories are coming to a head. So it's just jam-packed full um, of, of story as well. And, and of course, James is well, well in that. Do you think he's a, an optimist or a pessimist? Is he hoping for a last minute romantic miracle or is he kind of resigned? I think, I think there's a constant uh, battle throughout the series for James for, with heart and mind um, and also the moral dilemma of, being a good guy, doing the right thing, but also he has these, you know, he has these profound feelings and desires. Um, and, you know, certainly at the start when he, when he meets Helen, we, we see the profound effect she has on James. And I think it is like heart beating out of your chest, sweaty palms, uh, stumbling over your words and sentences, not making too much sense. Um, but he of course grows in confidence. And, and as we see a bit more of Helen and Hugh's relationship as well, you know, that, um, that all, that all has an effect. Um, but I think also with James, he's a very smart, conscientious guy, which makes him very perceptive and perceptible. So um, 
so yeah, we'll see. But I think if you ask James where he saw himself in three to five years, or where he'd like to see himself professionally and family uh, life, whatever, I think he would be able to tell you instantly. You know, he wouldn't have too th too too many thoughts about what the answer would be. Um, yeah. And so you we'll have a scene in this special which, on paper, just makes your heart jump out of your chest. You have to give the kiss of life to a puppy. Was that an odd scene to film? Talk me through it. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I read the script. I was like, this is amazing <laughs> for an actor doing a, a Christmas special uh, and then giving yeah, the kiss of life to puppies. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Um, and uh, and that was throughout the script as well. Ben's script, just start to finish, was just incredible. But me and Rachel, first off the bat, we were just excited to be working with puppies. We thought we we're going to spend three days up in this croft in the middle of nowhere. There's going to be a bunch of puppies there and it's going to be fantastic. There wasn't. That wasn't to be. The puppies were filmed separately. <laughs> they were birthed and everything live. Because um, that, that leads to the authentic feel that we have throughout the series. Um, but, but nevertheless, we were disappointed. Um, but, the, but yeah, the, but going through all that, that scenes, uh, yeah, it was just an absolute joy to film those those kind of scenes, um, and I can't wait for people to see them. So, so when you were doing the kiss, is that just a little prop puppy? That's not a real puppy. I he's very <laughs> bendulistic. <laughs> Rachel, let me let me bring you in. Um, it's it's you know Christmas Eve that should be very exciting for Helen, but that's not the vibes we're getting from her. I mean. How do you, do you think she's in denial? How, how aware do you think she is of her own feelings? Um, yeah, there's such a lot going on for Helen. It's, I think her emotions are so complex. And, and I think, honestly, it might be the first time that she's ever really thought about what she wants. You know, I, I mean, Hugh, Hugh and Helen, uh, it got together when they were super young. You know, they've kind of grown up together. And, um, and then their lives got really serious really quickly. You know, she, they both lost parents. Hugh inherited the estate. She looked after the farm and her family. And so they never really had a, a kind of romantic courtship or any sort of exploration of their relationship, really. So, um, you know, you cut to a proposal and I, I think it's I think it's overwhelming. And then, of course, it's Christmas Eve and that's nostalgic anyway. And there's just a lot. Go, there's just such a lot going on. And I think she's forced to really think of, think about that for possibly the first time, because she's a you know, she's a real head down, crack on kind of girl. And she just can't do that. Do you think she feels pressure to live up to what she thinks her family wants? I don't know if it's what she thinks her family wants necessarily. I think it's that's kind of the assumed trajectory of a relationship when you you know, and especially then, and and when you've been together for such a long time, that's it's kind of what everyone's expecting. And um, and he's great. You know, they've got a lovely relationship. They get, they get on very well. It's, he's more than eligible. It, he it makes sense to to marry you. Um, but yeah, that's just something, isn't there? Yeah, there certainly is. <laughs> uh, Samuel, let me bring you in. This is fun, getting to see a romantic side to him, to getting to, you know, trying to pull some moves. How much fun did you have <laughs> doing Casanova Siegfried? Oh, well, obviously, for an old rake like me, um, it was just like being at home. Um, <laughs> it was really nice to hear Andy, Andy uh, sorry, it was really nice to hear, to hear Ben uh, talk about uh, keeping it real because together with Andy our, our director I think you know when I first when they first started talking to me about Siegfried I, I got this long uh, character note about his romantic history his first marriage or his marriage which had ended with the death of his wife his veterinary history his war history and it was much more like reading a, a, a drama than or a drama with 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 jokes and animals than a sitcom and they obviously wanted to write a Siegfried who was complex and layered. Um, and, and that felt feels, if you're lucky enough to play something over six episodes or indeed seven now, this is my first Christmas special as well. Uh, and possibly, you know, into the future, which we'd all love to do. It's really good to have some depth and, um, and not to have to sort of, to be able to play the situation, not the character. Because the character you know has enough depth and has enough things that are blocked or hidden or he's not very good at or he doesn't you know like going back to Siegfried sticks his toe in the romantic water for the first time since the death of his wife in this episode and it doesn't go particularly well but um you know he's he's a he's a rum cove and he's 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 willing he's just a bit out of practice um and 
and also he's surrounded by people who he cares about, but he's also being forced to care about. You know, James and Tristan are sort of the sons he never had, and Mrs. Hall is expecting the arrival of her of her son, and everybody's a bit needy. And and Siegfried's a very loving person, but at the same time, people relying on you at Christmas just it pisses him off. You know, he just gets angry. Um, and I, I know people like that, and it's just a real pleasure to play somebody who's that real. You know, and has that many has that many edges. Well, that is what what is great about him, isn't it? Is that he could just be a mad British eccentric, but you do see those vulnerable moments. Mm. I think he is. I think he definitely is a mad British eccentric. Uh, and but we but we're you know we're we're very good at producing those people. I think what's important, particularly in a in a Christmas episode, is to see how a community and a and a family, which we sort of are, is pulled together by its love for each other and its ability to get over difficulties. I think maybe that's why it feels so important this year because it's been such a rotten year, uh, full of sacrifice and, and pain and tension and awfulness. It's really hard only seeing these guys on Zoom actually because I love this ensemble and we've done a lot of talking about it but we haven't met since we finished in January. Um, and, I mean, I think, I think you can tell in the episode how, how well we get on and how you know everybody's kind of working with each other rather than despite each other, but um, but that's what's made it so so weird about 2020 because we haven't actually been able to have a beer. Yeah, it's it's a strange old year. Callum, let me bring you in. First of all, very strong look in the elf costume. We liked that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, but it is, it's, it's quite an emotional time for Tristan as well. Christmas always brings out things in people. And how do you think it affects his relationship with his brother? Because he, he does want to do well for him and to pass his exams and impress him, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And uh, obviously in episode six, we saw him uh, maybe not getting his head down in the books, but um, as, as much, but he, uh, he really applied himself and um and it, it really it really worked out didn't it um uh, for the best so i think he's definitely on the right on the right track so you know whether it continues to impress his brother as much as he'd like to yeah we'll see and obviously he takes great delight from being asked for dating advice from his brother you know that's hilarious <laughs> to him but would he like to see his brother settle down do you think Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember that that we have that amazing scene in um, episode five as well, where he's talking about um, you know he misses he misses Siegfried's um, a wife as well, um, and yeah, he basically just he's basically just saying that as much as he understands uh, his loss because he he he's he's having the same loss, um, you know, it's time for him. He thinks it's time for him to move on and. I think how does he put it? You're not entirely past it yet, um, which is uh, which is yeah, it's <laughs> that's Tristan's way of saying you know, crack on. <laughs> <laughs> Succinctly put, I like it. Yeah. Adam, <laughs> let me talk to you. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to get to you. The big panel. Um, it's a heartbreaking episode for you. You know, as we said, Christmas brings out the best and the worst of how you're feeling, and and Mrs. Hall is you know really forced to think about her troubled relationship with her son, isn't she? She is, yeah. I think it's a real hole in her heart that um, that she's become estranged from him. I think it's very exciting that since uh, I think when we last um, talked about Edward, I think Mrs. Hall had decided, okay, the ball's in his court, and it's um, it's up to him. He knows where she is, and he knows that she wants to have a relationship with him if he's if he's willing. So learning that they've had some communication and that Edward's promised to come to this party is, is absolutely thrilling. She's got her best frock on. And, um, and I think also it's, you know, she wants to be a really good mom to him. You know, she has her beautiful surrogate boys um, in the house with her, but I think having Edward there and being able to mend that relationship um, would mean the world to her. Yeah. And obviously we don't want to give too much away, but Siegfried really steps up for her in this episode and they, they have a lovely moment together. He does. How would you describe their relationship? Well, they're employer-employee, but they, I was thinking they've come a long way. I mean, they've, they obviously get on and they have a good friendship, but I was, it made me, watching the episode, I thought back to the scene where 
Steve Reed and Mrs. Hall were sitting at the table having a cup of tea and Mrs. Hall opened the idea of a conversation with him about, you know, the troubles you have with the ones that you love and, and Siegfried's response being to say, could you pass the milk, please? <laughs> and I just thought, what a wonderful journey we've gone on that we could actually now have have a conversation that's a little bit deeper, a bit more intimate, um, that that friendship is really um, blossoming. I think it's a really, really lovely relationship. Um, that Ben's written and uh, yeah so I think um, that's uh, yeah it's to be cherished. Colin let me come back to you because you were talking about the reaction to the series I, I know that you had identified at the very beginning that it you know it was something that you really cared about doing but were you taken aback by just how well it went down and how well received it was? I mean the real delight for me was, was that um, you know one of the challenges was going to be could we under the shadow series and um would 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 audiences would would new audiences discover us and come to us and would they embrace us and it's a tribute to ben and to everyone on the screen here or the, the this group wonderful group of actors that they made all the characters their own within minutes of being on screen and i think very quickly people um sort of forgot the, 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 the previous cast and embraced this cast um, as their, uh, as the new ensemble. And I think that, you know, the two shows uh, have lived uh, side by side well and respectfully. And, I, and I'm just, I think one of the great joys was seeing how many people who loved the original loved this show every bit as much. And that's a real tribute to Ben, to the actors and Andy Hay and, and uh, uh, and uh, Brian Percival uh, uh, and uh, you know uh, the directors. Absolutely, and and what is also a tribute to the series is the the caliber of guest actors you have. You know, it's not just your magnificent cast that we have here in front of us. Every episode has some fantastic guest performances too. Can you talk about that in relation to the Christmas special? Well, the first thing is, I mean, you know, can can we all just take a moment and sort of acknowledge the passing of Diana Rigg and, and I mean, how wonderful to have Emma Peel in All Creatures Great and Small. Um, we, decided that we, we decided that Mrs. Pomfrey wouldn't wear a leather jumpsuit, um, but that, that was a conversation we had at one point. No, just joking aside, uh, I, I um, you know, the, the thought was always that we would be able to sort of cameo cast um, through. And for those of you who are already asking the question, um, what are we gonna do, you know, as we go forward, um, as we're thinking about season two, we're, we're looking at um, what we will do um, with with the character Mrs. Pomfrey and, and Tricky Woo. Um, uh, so we haven't made any final decisions on that yet. Um, there's a lovely story about episode seven in particular because um, in episode seven there's the character there are characters of the Chapmans um, that are in the book, and, and there's a story in the book about um, the, the Chapmans ha having their their dog having pups and. Um, because um, one of the decisions we made right from the get-go was that we wanted to make the female characters more full-blooded in, in, in this version. We wanted to give all the women, um, and that's true of, of Rachel and Anna's roles as Helen and Mrs. Hall, we wanted to make them really fully dimensional. I'd make uh, Mr. Chapman's wife and Chapman character in the story. And Andy Hay, um, went out and, and sort of began casting um, the role of Anne and he fell in love with um, Cleo Sylvester who was black um, and through conversations with her about her own story and her own, her own uh, mother's story that story found its way into the script and, uh, and Andy, excuse me, Ben sort of took um, Cleo's real story um, and wove it into the it, 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 seamlessly into it, it, into the episode, so there's a a very nice sort of sort of um, uh, example there of of of, of um, fiction really becoming you know sort of, sort of reflecting the real world, and um, so you know being able to sort of cast truthfully, but um, uh, you know. Um, embracing diversity, whether it's diversity in terms of the, the role of women or, and as we go forward in season two, um, black, black stories and black actors. I mean, that will all be part of our, our agenda as we go forward. But um, um, this, this, this episode was a particular joy.
Thank you, Colin. Melissa, please indulge me. I have to talk about the animals now because, you know, we just have to. Um, how hard is it to find these farm animals to work with them? Are all the cliches about working with animals true? What's it what's it been like for you as a team? Well, if it had been left to me to find them, we would have been in trouble. But fortunately, um, we had rather excellent um, animal handlers working with us. Uh, the, I have to say, we all get very excited when you start talking about Yorkshire or animals. They were really sort of the stars of the show and the heart of the show. And we all got slightly giddy and everybody's got their own animal story. Um, and we were expected, as you're saying, all those sort of cliches about never work with animals and children. Actually, the animals were kind of the most straightforward thing because we had the best people um, sourcing them and looking after them and training them. So um, Jill and Dean, our brilliant animal handlers, would choose the right cows for the period that you know that the director would like to cast um, and train them and cared for them we had a brilliant vet Andy Barrett who also actually worked with Alf White so that was lovely to have that connection um, and um, an animal welfare officer as well and they were sort of our holy trinity of animal care to make sure that cows had friends and um, you know all the animals were sort of happy and, and ready. So I have to honestly say they were an absolute delight to work with. And I know the cast all love them too and everybody's got their favourite. I love that you had to make sure the cows had friends. This is They this do, they're herd animals. So they, you have, they have to have a friend with them. So in a location, you have to have enough space for the cow to have a friend. Uh, Callum, I would think that you would be the expert on this, having done quite a few series of the Durrells. I mean, did you come to this thinking, I'm an animal handler, this is going to be fine? How's it been for you? Well, sort of, but the animals that I was really experienced with, but things like pelicans and lemurs and sloths, wasn't really used to the sort of farmyard um, animals. You, you're working with a donkey in the Christmas special. Yeah. Uh, any mishaps? Was it all very straightforward? No, yeah, it was amazing. Like, as Melissa said, yeah, the the animal trainers were just, yeah, they just made it so so perfectly easy. Um, I remember, yeah, that that donkey had to be like chewing as if it had um, ingested something something bad for it. Um, I remember thinking, like, God, what what are they gonna do to like make this donkey like be doing this amazing sort of routine? And they just covered a carrot in marmite and gave it to it. Um, <laughs> It's quite it's really straightforward, to be honest, isn't it? <laughs> Just give it something not very nice. So, do, so the donkey. I mean, depending on how you look at marmite. I was going to say, is the donkey a, a hater or a no. lover? What was the? Well, I assume, yeah, I assume a, a hater, yeah. Um, ben, let me talk to you again. What is it like as a writer on this series, where you've got so many different things at play? You've got the original stories as they were written. You've got the family's memories. You've got other versions of this story that have been told on television and then yeah. you want to bring your own things to it and your own ideas how challenging is that as a writer i mean again i think it's um again it's, it's, it's a real gift to be honest with you because it's i went back to the books went back to alf white's you know james harriet's or creatures great and small and sort of shut a lot of the other stuff out i didn't go back and watch the old series i just sort of focused on rereading those books and finding what it meant for me and and that version then developed with the team at playground um so yeah i think there's a sort of a a, a weight of expectation because of the other series that i didn't feel in the creation of it it was only sort of when people started talking about it afterwards and before it came out, it kind of felt any weight on me. It was like, oh God, people are going to compare it. But when I first started the journey, it wasn't, that wasn't a part of, um, you know, something I particularly focused on. It was just always about reading and rereading Alf's great works, which, is, you know, as a writer to get, to get something like that land in your lap and to be able to play with those characters in that world, um, it's a huge opportunity. And, you know, then it, it becomes sort of a sort of the technical process of adaptation. You know, the books are written from a from a first person sort of retrospective viewpoint, which means that it's sort of it, it's very singular and it's you know all sort of James Harriet's point of view. Um, so that does that doesn't necessarily lend itself to TV. So it began, began a process of sort of taking your clues, and you know, I think I, I described it to um, um, Samuel actually as a bit of a treasure hunt. 
when you sort of you're reading this book and there's little nuggets and you sort of crack them open and then the story emerges and so when we work through it you know like Helen for example it's referenced in the book a couple of times that she has another relationship and another fella and I was like well that's a whole story she's got a whole world a whole life there that we don't necessarily know about because we just see James's sort of viewpoint on that so um, my rule would always be that it has to have Harriet DNA sort of written through the stories um, and like the the Helen examples like she did have another relationship and so well what's the story there I want to I want to know about why she ended up there I want to know about what happened when her mother died and so from there you expand out from the original source material but I think that we always want to stay I suppose anchored is the best word I think all of us want to stay anchored to that sort of you know, heart of James Harriet's work and spirit of his work. Because I think that's the that's the thing we really want to capture. And the, and these guys as well capture those characters so beautifully and made them their own in a in in quite a different way. And as Sam Samuel was saying it in in a very real and truthful way, which I think we all sort of wanted to bring to this, bring James Harriet's work to the screen for a totally new audience. Emma, I, I will say what one of the things that struck me when I reread the books before we embarked on all this was how funny they were and the mm. great humor in them. And I think it's a tribute to Ben that in the middle of all the, the sort of uh, the writing process, he, he really drew out that humor as character humor. Um, and so all the humor is rooted in character. Um, but he, I think that's part of why this, this version of the show has been so embraced is because it has the heart um, uh, it's true to the books, but it also has the humour and have, has Alf's humour sort of captured throughout it. And I think that's part of its appeal. Absolutely. And it looks gorgeous. Let me ask you about this, Nicholas, because you had this scene in this amazing vintage car on the Dales. It just kind of summed up, you know, the visual, how, how gorgeous it is. I mean, those scenes, you must just think this is playtime. This is fantastic. Absolutely. So much fun. I mean, the cars from the start, uh, the vintage cars, they're just brilliant to drive. I mean, at the start, you don't know if you're coming or going with them. I mean, you're just throwing the gears in the general direction, hoping something sticks. And with the brakes, they're kind of non-existent. So you push it down and you hope for the best. But <laughs> once, you get, once you get used to them a little bit, they're just great. You couldn't get me out of the cars after, you know, after a few drives in them. Um, but out there, what, what struck me is, I mean, you don't fully appreciate it, you know, when you're filming the scene. But, but since watching it, that whole sequence of me out in the car in the, in the middle of the Dales, it's, it's absolutely stunning. And you've got these brilliant multiple drone shots, you know, some sweeping drone shots and then from really high up, really taking in the whole scene. But as we've said before with this series, the Dales, the Yorkshire Dales, uh, it's stunning and it's just fully realised in this series with these, uh, with these brilliant shots. Um, and we were just really lucky with Andy Hay, the director, DOP, Vanessa White. And I think also Alexandra Harwood's score uh, over that whole sequence is, is stunning. It's, um, and, and throughout her, her music is so, um, yeah, kind of moving and emotive, uh, I think is what I was trying to say. Um, can, can, yeah, I, can, can I just say, add something to that? You know, there was, I thought, a brilliant Channel 5 trailer which was a 30 second trailer that simply consisted of James in the car driving through the Dales for 30 seconds with no dialogue, no other action. It was simply the car driving through the Dales. And in an odd way, the sort of quiet and calm of that sort of was, you know, was emblematic of the show and, and how different it is from the sort of you know, sort of madness of everything else going on around us. I thought I thought that trailer was inspired. Absolutely, Rachel. You've spoken before about how Helen's costume is is so helpful to you and the characterization, and she has some fantastic things to wear. And then you get a wedding dress. I mean, talk me through the process of that. It was custom made, wasn't it? Um, I do, thank, yeah, I do. I'm a big fan of Helen's wardrobe. Um, no, it wasn't actually custom made for for me. Um, Ros Little, who's our, our brilliant costume designer, found it in sort of the depths of um, Cars Prop, um, and 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 it was altered um, to to fit me. But it was a. It's just a very simple style. It's very typical of a sort of late 1930s dress. But all of Helen's wardrobe um, 
kind of um is, is an accurate extension of her really you know we, we, we knew we knew early on that she was the first woman in her village to kind of wear trousers and so Roz and the, and the team made sure that um although they all that her outfits look stylish that that she can also jump on and off of a tractor in the middle of winter wearing them because um she's a she's a practical girl so that was the kind of litmus test she I mean she's a modern woman in a period piece really isn't she she is just gets yes just just gets on with it isn't isn't phased by the the tractor driving or the bull wrangling or any of it really yeah so brilliant Anna um Mrs Hall is a character we talked about how some of the female characters have really been been brought out and expanded a little bit for this version and and Mrs Hall more than anyone really we get to find out much more about her how much fun has it been to be part of that creative process really kind of building who she is for people who already knew some of the characters before it's been really fun for me because I mean I came to it I didn't know the books and I I I knew the theme tune I did in the previous series and I think it's really interesting listening to what um Ben just said um you know she's described as this figure of grim benevolence with a pack of dogs around her and then we but the character that Ben's um written is is, is this amazing open-hearted woman who's who is the heart of the community and uh I think he's given her a really wonderful backstory that then feeds into that drama, um, absolutely, of why she needs Skeldar House and also why Skeldar House needs her. And and yes, you've got lots of short stories that that then, when you're creating that drama, I sort of imagined that yeah, if you're going to, you need the cohesive forces in that community. And I think Mrs. Hall is is one of those. She's a real nurturer. Um, she helps. She's really fundamental to that surrogate family feeling in that household um and she's a lot of fun she's flawed she's engaged with everybody in that community um and uh, so there's a lot of layers and depth and truth in there to play with which is which is a, a gift as an actor it's been great yeah and as you said the dynamic in that household is so much richer for her presence and and for having her there it just adds so much doesn't it it does absolutely um she wears many hats and i think if you're going to tell the story of that community it would be a shame for her just to bring in tea not to know a bit more about who is that woman that's making these things happen we know she's key to james's arrival and and uh and to many other um relationship challenges that they have along the way so um yeah i think she's, she's, I think she's kind of like the center of gravity in that house i think she's the center of the the wheel and everything sort of come pulls back to her and like in every story when these characters go off they're always so, sort of grounded by mrs hall and um yeah for me that she's just she is the heart of that house and um her and siegfried particularly and it's, it's yeah. mrs hall that makes that house a family yeah without that there'd be three blokes muddling <laughs> along a bit more than that but she really she makes that that house a family and family was you know one of ben's things from the very beginning of developing this was that it's a show about a family and it's so recognizable I think in that sense in those relationships because actually only two people in that house are related but she creates that family by being at the heart of it. Mm. Well done Mrs Hall, excellent, we, we like that. We all, love Mrs. <laughs> we all need a Mrs Hall as well I think in our lives. I think so, I agree. Um, Samuel I wanted to talk to you a bit more about the, the tone <laughs> of the piece because I think yeah. it's fair to say for a long time kind of dark drama has been quite in, on Vogue, you know, very fashionable. And this is, as we've said, so positive, gorgeous and uplifting without being saccharine or, or overly sentimental. Do you think there's a shift in what audiences want or, or, or how do you react to, to how something with this tone has gone down so well? I hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm not, since I became a father, I've found most drama on British television completely unwatchable because it's all about child murder and terrible things happening to people. And I, I just have no stomach for violence at all now. Um, and of course, terrible things do happen and we have to make stories about them, but we don't exclusively have to make stories about them. I mean, the, the, wor the worst thing I do to a child in this story is not give them an orange. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, that's, that's, that's my drama. Um, and, and an orange in 1937 is quite a thing to have, you know. Um, I, think, I think this is a well-timed episode uh, because we did shoot it a year ago now, and it was it was in autumn and winter, um, and it feels nesty and snug, and it's about small immediate details that matter. Tristan's exam results and Mrs. Hall's son, and 
and, and oranges and a, a Christmas party and putting on a good show and um, getting a bit drunk and wondering if you're going to get a snog. Um, and I think uh, maybe I'm sorry to keep going back to the year we've had, but maybe it, maybe that's drama enough at the moment. Maybe just having an ensemble and watching watching how people can get each other through uh, their, their difficulties is, is all we need. I hope so. It's been a real joy because I'm quite I'm quite busy on Twitter. No, let's be let's be honest. I'm completely addicted to Twitter. Um, but it's been a delight to be in something that seems to make people so so happy. I, I mean, I, and to add that add to that my first ever Christmas special. I mean, I'm just happy as a pig in. Uh, to, to follow on from that, there is a beat without giving anything away at all. At the end, the very final scene of the episode, which takes us back to the you know the nineteen thirties, and, and you suddenly realise how far we've travelled and how far how far we haven't travelled, and how in many ways it's plus sachons. It's all this. It's you know what we're experiencing now others before have experienced and they've got through it as we will get through this. And I, so I find, I find the ending of this episode really moving. Well said. But I won't I give away, I won't give away the punchline mm. because it's, it's, it, it's a surprise. And it's, um, uh, as I say, it's, it's a extraordinary reflection on the moment we find ourselves in now. Mm. No, that's true to be given a job I mean, to be given a job at all uh, in this in this year was was pretty amazing, but to be given a job where you might be able to help cheer people up a bit um, by con by focusing on things that that, that matter um, is a delight and an honour. Actually, as an actor, it doesn't always happen like that. I think it's also important to say, in terms of tone, how hard that is to do. Uh, it feels so easy on the screen and yet uh, um, that we were playing in a very tight tonal space and Ben writes in a way that entertains us and moves us and I've watched these episodes 50 times and I've still cried you know and, and makes us laugh a lot and without that you know that sort of crime genre or whatever those sort of uh, traditional storytelling spines are it all comes from the character and his job was to elicit that tone and that experience of reading the Harriet books, which quite honestly just make you feel better. And it's so difficult to do. And if the needle is slightly off, then it's too saccharine or it's too um, twee or it's too silly or it's too earnest. And it's just incredibly difficult to do. And it's a real testament to Ben um, and Andy Hay in this episode and our other directors that just did a phenomenal job and this wonderful cast. It feels great, but it's really hard to do. I'd like to thank you, Melissa. I just say, can I just say one thing? I said, um, you know, James Herrick called the first book "If Only They Could Talk." Um, of course, if you're doing things about veterinary, you're, you're basing it on a group of people who want to be caring, but also have to do it without language. They have to understand what's wrong with something, or to try to understand what's wrong with something um, through empathy and care. Uh, and so unkindness and cruelty are quite a long way away. And I think that's a very good idea. Well said, well said, Samuel. I'm gonna move on to audience questions now. There's still time to get them in, use the Q&A function below uh, and I will put them to our panel. Question here for you, Nicholas. Um, when was this filmed and did you find it hard to get into the Christmas spirit, presuming you weren't filming at Christmas? Um, we were kind of closer than most. It, it certainly wasn't summer and we were pretending to be cold. It was freezing and it was January or something. So, <laughs> so it didn't need much acting. Um, so no, it was, it was much closer. Um, but I mean, when we walked onto the set, I remember walking onto the set at Skeldale House and it was all decked out for Christmas. The tree was up, the decorations were everywhere. Tristan was hanging up about 50 bits of uh, mistletoe. So there was, uh, the Christmas fuel was all around us. We didn't, you know, we really felt in, in, within it as soon as we walked in. Fabulous. You've got a lovely comment here. You'll all like this from the Yorkshire Post. Uh, they say, um, this is Phil who says this. Uh, you may all like to know that visitors to Grassington, even in a lockdown year, have been asking where they can find the drover's arms and the surgery, and the village all would love to see you as soon as possible. Uh, so maybe for Phil, uh, I mean, Nicholas has already talked about how lovely it was filming in Yorkshire, but maybe Samuel, could you say something about how lovely it was filming there? 
Uh, yes, I can say exactly that. I mean, I have a lot, I have a lot of connections with uh, Sheffield, or, uh, with uh, with um, Yorkshire, although they're mostly with Sheffield, which a lot of Yorkshire people would say is a different country. Um, but Grassington is the most delightful place. And, you know, for the first couple of weeks, I made sure that I bought plenty of wine from the wine shop and books from the bookshop. But uh, actually, going back in January or in February this year, just after we wrapped um, and just before lockdown, it was like uh, it was like being going, returning to uh, being a prodigal son. I mean, they threw open the doors and said, how are you? How is everything? When are you coming back? And if we've managed to do something for uh, for their tourists, well, I mean, they're very good at tourism themselves anyway. But if we managed to do something in, in, in such a difficult year, then that's great because they were so kind to us. Rachel, how about you filming in Yorkshire? Um, yeah, I mean, just to kind of echo what Sam said, you know, when you when you when you start filming in in any kind of area, you really take over, and, and especially um, you know Grassington, which became our Darby, we couldn't have done it without the the willingness of every of everybody, and and everyone was so incredibly supportive, and and we you know we took over for a good chunk of time, so which wouldn't have been possible without them, and everything came with a kind of. We're really excited to see it. We can't wait. And it was always a side order of don't mess it up. It better be good. So <laughs> yeah, we're thrill thrilled to hear that they enjoyed it. It's a pleasure being there. Um, Emma asks, uh, what's your favorite animal story on set? Does anyone want to volunteer a really good animal story? I mean, Nicholas, I'm looking at you. Do you have a can good I, one? Can I have one? Because I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't told one yet. And it's not really about Christmas, although we were, were filming it at Christmas. We had to reshoot uh, a scene where I, where I wore um, white tie. And we'd already sent it back to Cosprop. And Cosprop is a period uh, costume hire place that has about 400 uh, white tie suits for gentlemen. And it had gone back into storage. And they got a, a rather plaintive call from Cosprop saying, um, has Sam been working with anyone with short red hair? And they said, yeah, I think that might be Strawberry the Cow. <laughs> and they said, we found your jacket. <laughs> because they hadn't dry cleaned it and they'd gone through and looked for cow hair. And, uh, and that saved me a fitting. Uh, and I'm really pleased because it fitted really nicely. Really, the animals have just been giving, giving, giving. This whole shoe this is incredible. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll move on to another question. Uh, you'll like this as well. Emma Carroll says, um, this show is a ray of sunshine in what has been a pretty awful year. Thank you, all of you. So that's lovely. Uh, but she'd also like to know if there have been any particularly funny moments on set, any sort of corpsing or, or silliness. Anyone want to volunteer a good story? Anna, Anna getting the, get, get, <laughs> we had to get the gravy. <laughs> Do you remember that one? When we were, when we were having the rose dinner. I remember getting the gravy, remind me. <laughs> we were getting the roast dinner and you had to take a bite of a roasty and then Sam interrupted you. But I think, I think Sam kept on changing when he was interrupting you every time, <laughs> but you were trying to time it right with your roasty. Wow. And you ended up you ended up leaving to get the gravy, and you and you came back in, and all of us at the table were thinking, "How is she going to come back into this room?" <laughs> you came in, and your face was just creased up. You had tears streaming down. You went, "Well, let's just stop the scene then." Oh, that was one of my favourites. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got a bit carried away. <laughs> Shout really out to our cooks as well because they were really good roast potatoes. Oh my god! Can you remember? <laughs> you had to I nearly four hundred of them, didn't you, Carl? Yeah, I nearly dislocated my jaw getting one of those roasties in. <laughs> it was fine. I, didn't. I must. I must say, between the breakfasts in the series and the dinners in the series, I want to move into Skeldale House. Mm. Uh, they look I'll amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in the edit, watching a breakfast scene for three hundred times made you exceptionally hungry, didn't it, Colin? We were struggling looking at the delicious fare. Um, let's go to Ed's question. He wants to know how it feels taking on such iconic roles that the audiences already know and have feelings about. Nicholas, maybe you could answer that. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, big wellies to fill. Um, but I think uh, for me, uh, for me certainly, it was just uh, uh, the overriding feeling for me was one of excitement. Of course, I was nervous and and, and everything else, but um, I hadn't actually come across the original series uh, before, 
So I watched one episode during the audition process, but I didn't want to watch too much because even subconsciously I could end up copying things that Christopher Timothy did. Um, so I've just watched the one episode, but yeah, I, I was nervous, but I was, it was one of excitement because I've been wanting to do this for so many years, watching my favorite actors on set, behind the scenes, doing it in film and TV and to get an opportunity like this, I was, you know, I was uh, just over the moon and have been since. <laughs> How about you, Callum? Because yours is a slightly later uh, entry to the series, so everyone's like, oh yeah, there's James, and there's Siegfried, where's Tristan? And then in you, <laughs> oh, what was that like for you playing him? Yeah, I mean, Tristan's just been the most fun um, I think I've ever had playing playing a character, you know, like even just the sort of place I had to get myself to, to be Tristan, that place of just constant, like, upbeat, happiness, sort of um, joy was just, um, you know, even if I came to set uh, on the morning, like a little bit grumpy, um, or like I got on the wrong side of the bed, which I'm sure was hardly ever. Um, but you know, the place, the place that I had to, I had to be to, I get to, sorry, to be Tristan. You know, I just leave every day in like the best mood ever, um, which was just a really lovely thing to sort of be able to have with like 16 weeks, just leaving work every day, just in the best mood ever, after just hanging around all day with some really good friends. It was, yeah, it was awesome. Melissa, there's a question here very much about the production side, really interested in, in how you got the look right for the Christmas episodes and the locations, decorations, how you created all that side of the episode. No, we had completely brilliant teams. I mean, the, um, our sort of rule of thumb from the beginning, and I think it's already been mentioned, was that it needed to be authentic and real and appealing. Um, and we had uh, brilliant Gary Barnes, our location manager, and Jackie Smith, our designer, and wonderful directors Andy Hay on this episode um, and they worked very hard to make sure that every detail felt truthful um, and and appealing and lovely so um, a lot a lot of research and a lot of talented people and and there was a follow-up question about extras uh, in a in a Christmas special do they all have to swear to secrecy you know did you have to keep the plot under wraps because there's lots of big things happening in, in this episode Oh, that's a good question. I think they were all very well behaved. There weren't any leaks. So, yeah, we um, were really fortunate with our brilliant casting um, team, Beverly Kay and David Martin, and used a lot of local actors, which was lovely. There was real sort of authenticity in that. Um, and I think they, you know, were loyal to the loyal to the legacy of Yorkshire for us, which we're very grateful for. Fabulous. Do you know, that's basically all we've got time for. It's been such a delight talking to all of you about this fantastic Christmas special. And I can't wait for everyone to see it because it's so gorgeous and joyous. And all that's left for me to say is thank you so much. Thank you for your time. And I can't wait for all the rest of you to see the episode. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Let's see you all again. Thank you, well, thank thank you, you back, Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed that. Cheers. Happy yeah. Christmas all. Yeah, look out for yourselves.